It's time for a smashing cast from the present. Produced by Michael, the Exo Paradigm Gamer. Consulted by Haydox, the uh, Haydox. Supervised by Ryan, the Rye Rule. And directed by Dan, the King K. It's the Unversed cast. Feel free. I don't care if King K does the intro or not. Uh, just someone does it. I hear people talking very loudly in my hallway. Hold on. Go scream at them right now on the podcast. Hello, good commoners. I am in the middle of recording a podcast. I'd appreciate it if you would limit the volume of your voice. Keep it down over there. And that's what You're being too loud for my YouTube <laughs> friends. <laughs> ma, I'm trying to record a video for Sonic yeah, Boom. Suck Shut my the balls, fuck ma. <laughs> You're breaking my balls here. I can't you even get the YouTube ad revenue no more. I can't even record in this house with Mario Kart. I ain't trying to record my review. Drink yeah, your yeah. fucking prune juice, you fucking wanker. Wank. I don't know what that was, I'm so sorry. Now, now, if you, you want to grow up big and strong, you need to drink your chocolate milk. <laughs> Ow! I'm so frail and old, I can't get the milk through the straw. You have to pour it in. Michael, now you pour. Pour, pour. I'll do a Barnacles, sound effect. Pour. I hate the funnel. No, 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 fucking pour. Pour the milk into my into my poor grandmother's right. mouth. All right, right here, I'm, I'm pouring... Uh, thank you, kind sir. And that's the end. That's the end of the the script. Now Somebody don't tell that. me that I'm not allowed to like bingo, Paul. <laughs> you piece yeah, of shit, to... I'll kill you. <laughs> I've tried my I'll best. take my gun I have in the cupboard and shoot you <laughs> shoot you dead. I don't care if you're Polish. You are a son of a bitch. <laughs> Can we just Grandma, open up with, the gun with that, that exchange? <laughs> we're, we're opening with that Granny's exchange. Granny's packing heat. And I'm not talking about the gun. And she bends over. <laughs> what I meant to say is that Grandma is in heat. <laughs> what do you mean? In the movie heat? No, that's, that's what you call it when... Michael. <laughs> <laughs> See, this is one of those cases where I didn't know if you were being serious or not. What? So, uh, yeah. Of course. Alright, King K, bring us back with that little, uh, the soft tone, dulcet, um, <laughs> whipped cream-like <laughs> voice of yours. Welcome back to another episode of the Unversed Cast. Today, we will be talking about the games that released in 2020 and what we thought of them. <laughs> okay, Ira Glass. I got the locked Animal Crossing. <laughs> just call I, me? I, I, I don't Ira Glass, the, the host of This American Life. <clears throat> I don't know what the fuck what? that even is. Michael, what the fuck are you talking about? <laughs> there's there's a radio show called This American Life that I think is on NPR or something. How old are you? How old are you? <laughs> well, listen, Michael, you gotta do you, something you when you're in the car with your dad. You're not a boomer. You say you're not a boomer constantly, but you made reference to a okay, radio listen, show my on dad a is a gen about video games in 2020. 2021. My dad is a Gen Xer, and when he and I have to drive <laughs> places, I have to sit in the car. And we don't we don't really have anything in common, so the only thing we have Can is to listen to the radio together. Can you pick me up a together. cigarette from the gas station, pops? 
Sure thing. <laughs> then he hobbles outside. <laughs> Pick up some milk while you're at it. That's you. Uh, I, I can, Sorry. I can I see that this that. is gonna be this is gonna be the worst one we've ever done. I'm calling it. Mm -hmm. I'm calling it. Anyways, uh, so please continue, King K. No, that was about it. Okay, yeah. So <laughs> we're here to talk about G O T Y twenty twenty. And we're gonna say it that way, even though I know it annoys Haydox, because that's just how I am. G-O-T-Y, deal with it. You're um, assuming stuff. I, I guess where we can start, um, I just wanna say that I, for, I think we started in like 2016, if I remember correctly. Yeah. We've been doing this for four years. Yeah, Sheesh. like the first, the first thing we uh, talked about was the uh, Sonic Forces and the Sonic movie. The yeah, Sonic right. movie. Yeah, <laughs> we talked yeah, about the Sonic. <laughs> we talked we about to... the Sonic movie, by the way, but I just didn't edit the podcast, oh, so that's, that's on okay. me. Yeah, and I have yeah, seen. Do the we want to talk about the movie in this podcast? I mean, we can Why? if we really want to. Why the hell not? All right, it's like, a, I guess that's what we're, we're gonna be here for fucking hours. Jeez. <laughs> well, no, we got no. We don't have well, to be listen, here for hours. Well, th this will be our Uncle Mike's fanfic corner for the episode. We'll talk about the Sonic. The Sonic movie. movie? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. All right, Michael, take the reins. Mm -hmm. All right, play the intro. Uh, da, 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 da. So, so the Sonic the Hedgehog movie also came out in 2020. I think in like February or something and yeah uh, it came out like close to my birthday yep I made a point of not seeing it in theaters uh but for various reasons I think my parents made me watch it it's like it wasn't it was either Thanksgiving <laughs> or some other family get-together and they were just like hey let's watch a movie what a, what and a the fucking get-together that was the, the, the options were that shitty Scoob movie that is really more Blue Falcon movie with Scooby-Doo in it where Dick Dastardly wants to save Muttley from hell. This is the actual plot. I'm not making this up. Um, we could watch that or we could watch the Sonic movie. So I was just like, fine, I guess I would suffer more <laughs> watching Scoob. amazing Scoob. set of options there. Yeah. So <laughs> I, I, I have seen the film. Um, I guess... We should start with overall impressions. It's the most fun I've had with a Sonic-related thing since Sonic Generations. Okay, it's mm. all right. See, I'm. Yeah, I mean, it's all I right. Would, I don't know. I watched this in theaters for free <laughs> because, like, um, my oh, friend you had works that at friend, a movie yeah. theater. Yeah, yeah. So you, I, you should you should tell I, the uh, every, the podcast the story about what you did with cats that one time. Oh fuck! No, no, I can't. the The Sonic movie was already bad enough because I ate a bunch of protein bars mm. when we got into the theater. So you know, can I take uh, a break to poop real quick? Uh, yeah, avid <laughs> listeners will know that I have a bad GI problem, and uh, yes, we are talking Same. about this in the first five minutes. King K, you got IBS? Yeah. Well, I yeah. don't know that for sure. Sucks. But I, I'm, I have I mean, suspicions. Picture me in the Sonic movie, uncomfortable as hell, fidgeting all the time and just ripping ass the entire time. <laughs> <laughs> the whole theater was, like, empty. So there would be parts during the movie where I'd, like, get up from the seat and run around to, like, get the gas out of me because I was uncomfortable. He was running around like Sonic! I did! I, I ran like Sonic and I... And 
I, I distinctly remember the part, you know, when Eggman uh, shows up at that dude's house with a bunch of guns and intends to murder him in cold blood in this right, old yeah, man's I home. <laughs> <laughs> I love that scene, actually. <laughs> I remember. I, I, just, I can't like, remember much specifically about that movie, but... I haven't seen it flashes. since February. Yeah, same. I mean, like, it's... I mean, it's decent. It's just like it's not a train wreck, which surprised me. But it's also not like amazing. It's mm -hmm. just kind of a decent. I don't think I'd watch it again. But you know, I'm, I'm up for more of these movies. I guess that is a microcosm of Sonic, <laughs> isn't it? <laughs> I guess. <laughs> Ryan, but you you enjoyed it. What? Yeah. Like, why why did you enjoy it so much? I don't know. Like. I don't, like okay, <laughs> just so, leave it there. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> and cue frolic. Like, um, because like I saw this movie with my brother. He took me out to see it with my birthday or for my birthday. Um, I don't know. And like maybe it's just like when we saw it in the theater, the kind of environment that we were in. Um, like it wasn't like super packed. Um, mm. but like there was like people my age or like dads and moms taking their kids to see it, and like. It just kind of felt like as if we were all on the same page or like we were like genuinely just enjoying the movie. Like it's not great, you know, it's not like a great movie, but like I just think it does what it does, you know, it does what it sits out to do very well. You know, it's just mm. it, there's no cynicism. There's no weird like things about them. It's just a fucking fun movie. And I'm like, wow, I liked it. You know, it's it's it feels genuine. Except for the Olive Garden shit, but like besides that, you know. <laughs> <laughs> and I Olive Garden. <laughs> oh, that's right. At the end, the yeah. Joe, that was, but, I actually. But that joke that was fucking, fucking funny hilarious. at the end. <laughs> like I know. I did too. I that like, did you try the pasta bowls? They, they really are endless. It was. It was actually. I couldn't tell if I was laughing ironically or not, but I was laughing. So it reminds that's that also describes Sonic in a nutshell. <laughs> but like, like I, I bought the movie on Blu-ray when it came out. I sat down and I watched it again just to see like, you know, how the movie holds up, like when you're not in that kind of environment. And like I just enjoyed it, you know? I was like, wow. Like, this is the most like it's entertaining and it's it's fun and it's goofy and lighthearted, you know? I liked it. So like see, three I see times. Where you're, I, I'm going to say I get that, that I err more towards Ryan's side than your side. Really? Hadox. Uh, I was See, I... I was expecting the worst thing in the universe. So there's, you know, so from those lofty standards, it wasn't very difficult for it to improve from there. Um, I think it had a really, I think what it benefits from is that since it is not tied to the actual game continuity or anything, mm -hmm. um, they can... Because that's that's the big problem with all of these other games is you have to like acknowledge the fact that Knuckles was the Master Emerald Guardian. You have to acknowledge the fact that the fucking moon is blown in half. You have to acknowledge all of this. The, the fact that aliens from a comet invaded Earth at one point. Like it doesn't have to deal with any of that not so bullshit. So they could just sort of invent their own mythos for this movie. Um... And I thought that their their idea for Sonic, just this person who has no friends and is lonely and doesn't feels like he doesn't belong, 
is sort of thrust into this plot and ends up making friends and finding a place where he does belong after all was more emotionally satisfying than a lot of what the recent Sonic games have tried to do. Mm -hmm. There's like a clear emotional through line to what's happening in the film. Sonic is looking for a place that he belongs. Got it. Uh, And then there's the whole idea of want versus need as a way to describe motivation. Sonic wants to move to the mushroom dimension or whatever, but what he really needs is a place he belongs. Or maybe it's the other way around. (laughs) I don't remember. I'm trying to imagine the movie, remember it, but like... I can only in my head see the old Sonic design for some reason. Like, I can't picture the new one anymore. I don't know why. Mm. I've seen this movie, but I literally cannot... I keep thinking about the old design. Yeah. It's really... I don't know why. <laughs> that that design, old design was really bad, though. Uh, I, yeah, I think it's just so striking that it is overridden the actual movie in my head. I haven't seen it in almost a year. That might also be why. I think what really surprised me about the movie the most is that I thought Jim Carrey was great. Yeah. Yeah, he was fucking I awesome. Mean, He's like my favorite part I, of the movie, honestly. I love the the little montage he has where he's dancing to where evil grows. I love that. And it's just like a cool scene, that little montage. Well, what was great about him is that he was a realized character with like mm. a backstory that's sort of He's been not performed. like Eggman in Sonic Forces. Eggman in Sonic Forces is like a caricature, but he's also like boring, if that makes sense. Maybe we can, well, yeah, maybe, uh, I might, I might have game. overstepped my bounds, but... <laughs> no, no, it's... it's it, <laughs> what I would say is what I liked about the Jim Carrey Eggman, and I think what really sold him for me was the scene where he's talking to Tom on the phone, uh, and he's like, the only other person who has ever struck me, and I got revenge on him in, like, grade school, and since then, he's, like, fundamentally this, this weak character who feels kind of a need to prove his superiority to others. He's basically what Infinite was trying to be, except better. Uh, yeah, and I thought that, you know, like, the actual final confrontation made me feel emotions. Like, what what would otherwise just be a dumb, boring, overly long action sequence in another movie? Because they set up Eggman's backstory, or Jim Carrey Robotnik's backstory, and we know, like, you know, Sonic is looking for a place he belongs, I actually liked the guy from Peep in this, or whatever that movie was, the Russell Brand movie. You mean Bunny Cyclops movie. from X-Men? Yeah, whoever whoever that actor was who played Tom, he was good in it, and I actually liked that character, which was the most shocking thing. Because he <clears throat> totally seems like the thing... Yeah, I thought he was going to be awful. But honestly, the heart of the film for me was Sonic and his relationship, probably. Which yeah. I was not expecting at all. Yeah, and it's it rem- like at the end when they're having that end of confrontation and it's just like Eggman's like, yeah, I'm here to protect all of you people. And then all of the townsfolk stand up with Sonic and say like, you're the one who's not, who doesn't belong here. You didn't think that was cheesy? I thought that was, <laughs> that no. was so corny. I thought, I mean, it's cheesy. It's corny. It's cheesy. But the emotion shows It was like a Hallmark me. movie. You could have put <laughs> like a fucking clarinet behind it, and then my mom would be crying watching it. <laughs> it, it worked for me. Like thematically, it works. There was like an emotional through line to this movie, which is the most shocking thing. 
I, I it reminded me of like Sam Raimi's Spider-Man movies. It had a lot of those like characters that are just like one-offs and they're goofy. Like when he's yeah. in the bar, there's that like buff guy, and then he like, you know, he has like this conflict with him, and he wraps him with toilet paper, right? Or he makes some maneuver, and it's like, oh, that's kind of funny. And you have all these like the I, I wannabe say... cop. You've got the the Jim Carrey's henchman, and I like all those side characters quite a bit. Ah, yeah, I, I will say that the weakest part of the movie is the middle, because um, mm-hmm. basically, definitely, the inciting incident of this film is Sonic deciding that he's going to run really fast until he makes blue lightning appear for some reason, and then Tom shoots him with like a sedative, and he drops his bag of gateway rings into a hole, and then they land on top of a building in Georgia or something. I don't remember. Uh, San Francisco. Oh, it was San Francisco. Okay. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so it's like basically, and you know what? I'm fine with an accident being the basis for a plot when it's, you know, like the character feels like a pressure to right a wrong because it makes them sympathetic and you want to see them succeed. In this case, yeah. it's just Tom shot him with the thing and like, oh, I guess we got to go across the country now. You know, and it's like, the so the middle part was the weakest. It felt like, and you need those story beats in the movie, but I, I would have liked a better inciting incident than, than what they went with. Like, maybe there were Eggman cameras already scoping things out, and then they catch a trace of Sonic, and that's why he ends up there, instead of what actually happened. <laughs> Which and the is, thing is, too, is that, like, this movie is in no way, shape, or form, like, one of the greatest movies to come out, period, you know? But again, like I just what I find commendable about it is that because um, like you could you could get like a fine tooth comb and you can nitpick the hell out of this movie. Like yeah. I've done it, you know. It's like there there's things that don't make sense. There are th- you know like I can say flosses. like Sonic flosses twice, you know. And there there I think also like the movie's kind of sh- it's a little too short. I would have liked if it was a bit longer and fleshed out like uh, the people of Green Hills because they like. They kind of just like pop in out of nowhere at the end of the movie. It's like, oh, hey, look, this is us. I'm like, oh, okay. I see what you're trying to do, but it didn't really work. But um, I mean, they sort of had it set up with like that one old guy. He would talk about the speed demon of Green Hills and stuff. Yeah, but that was just like one guy, you know, I would like to see some other people too. Like, yeah, people were familiar with the idea that there might have that he was kind of Sonic was kind of like this urban legend. Mm -hmm. So, you know. And of course, Eggman was like blowing everything up at that point. So they've. Been, well, I would hope yeah. that actually the I am pretty interested in a sequel of this movie because of that, because, you know, you can flesh out a new iteration, I guess, quote unquote, of Tales. And then if you put them all in yeah. the same place, then and there's more co- opportunity to flesh that out, I think. And we can, and we can like, make it a Tales rumblings with agency. Knuckles is going to be in it. Yeah, Tales, that is an actual interesting character oh yeah. boy See, well didn't they I'm, already show like the on... knuckles tribe yeah that was at the beginning yeah which i thought was weird that sonic and the owl lady were being attacked by the knuckles tribe i thought it was cool the it's echidnas. like yeah i thought that Not was really knuckles cool Knuckles tribe you freaking nerd <laughs> don't know too much about sonic i mean like i i, I feel like they can explore that maybe in the future. I, I feel like... I, I don't know. It does feel kind of old hat at this point, but it does kind of feel like if they're going to introduce Knuckles, they'll make him an antagonist. 
I, yeah, it, I, I don't just know. it, it kind of does because the fucking echidnas hunted them down. So I, I would assume that they're going in that direction. But then again, that's what he was in uh, Sonic Three. He was he, well. That's he was what I'm like saying is that like I, I'm sure they're gonna go down that road. It yeah. does feel a little Wolf. like I don't know. I, I would not necessarily. I, I don't know that I would dislike that. It just kind of feels like they've they've done it before, and I don't know. It'd be a little like remains to be seen, I guess. Well, fellas, I do have some bad news, and I hate to say this, but I did not like this movie. <laughs> I am fuck. I th I thought uh the stuff that we're talking about for a sequel is what I think should have been in the first movie to begin with. Like, Whoa. why why is it that Sonic's quills are like the inciting incident? Why can't you have like a chaos emerald? You know, like something that is Sonic. I, I just, I didn't like that. It's like, where where's the Sonic in the Sonic movie other than Sonic? And quote that. I dropped my freaking Yeah, I will admit that I was let down by how much they had to root everything in our real world. It, like I think it worked ultimately. It was just kind of like I, I think I what know. this movie proves is that what was really missing from the other Sonic games that attempted a real world was like a compelling human character. Uh, yeah. It's like what else do we got? Professor Pickle. It's probably the most fleshed out human character in any of the games, <laughs> um, and he's annoying <laughs> as hell. So. The yeah. president? The president. Yeah. <laughs> I, 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 I guess I blocked Shadow the Hedgehog from my memory. Uh, yeah, I, I mean, think... I thought it worked uh, I, in the context of you have this story about this character who feels alone in the universe and through a series of wacky hijinks finds a place where he belongs. It, it worked on that level. Yeah, you know, it's like, it's it's just, um, I don't know, it kind of feels like as if, you know, they're getting their foot in the door, you know, seeing how people would react to a live-action Sonic. People seem to really like it because it's a huge success, and now that we got Sonic 2 on the way, and again, like, Knuckles is apparently going to be in it, uh, we can now explore a bit more of that Sonic mythos. So, yeah, I'm I, I think, with that you know, too. this movie is just a way to see, like, how people would, re would react to it. And, like, I, I'm, again, like, I'm just, I'm shocked that, like, from the get-go, people were dead set on bashing this movie and lo and behold some people say it's the best uh video game movie ever you know so honestly, there's not much competition but, so i might yeah, but hey that. you know it's at least now we have a good movie to I, say oh yeah the best video game movie ever is sonic it's a good movie unlike detective pikachu detective pikachu I, really slapped though i no, love that, that. i enjoy detective pikachu i don't get it that i love the visuals of that I, I think it's one of those i want a game where... that's exactly like that they made it. Dude. Sorry, Michael. Called... I interrupted you. I'm so sorry. <laughs> oh my gosh. I did it again. <laughs> what the fuck is wrong with me? They made that game. It's called Detective Pikachu. And they. No, but I mean, like, the real design. Like, the furry Pikachu. Okay. I mean, I guess if you want. I mean, like, they have. They have the. Um, <laughs> what's like his name? wants Ryan Reynolds. Yes. No. I want Ryan Reynolds. Um, they have the, the voice actor for. <laughs> The guy from Bungo Stray Dogs who wants to commit a double suicide. He plays Pikachu in. <laughs> well, no, I don't remember his name. Is the thing like he's a really great character, and for some reason I can't remember his name from Bungo Stray Dogs. 
He's basically like there's Atsushi, he's the protagonist, <laughs> and then like there's another character voiced by Kaiji Tang, that's the name of the actor. And he also plays Pikachu in Detective Pikachu, and he's really good. Um, mm -hmm. And so <laughs> subbing him out for Ryan Reynolds feels like a step down. I, I, this, this is just what I think. <laughs> I don't even know how that happened, that conversation. It feels like I entered into your brain somehow. <laughs> but anyway. <laughs> there was so a was, door to like... That was our fan fiction segment for the podcast. Uh, <laughs> so now we can actually get to game of the year 2020. I'm going to get... I'm going to kick things off by saying that in the four years that we have been doing this podcast, now 4.25, I guess, this, this is was Hearts. by far the best year in gaming that I've been. The worst year. By Man, far. I wouldn't even say the worst. It's, it's the least interesting for me, but. Because, like, last year, was there was just, like, a drought of games I was interested in, which I feel like is probably what you went through, Ryan. Where there was just like nothing where you were like, oh yeah, I've really got to play that. That's kind of yeah. how I felt last year. Like, and I kind of had to struggle to find something that I liked more than Kingdom Hearts 3. Which was an enjoyable romp, but I, I, I'm confident I can say I, that I would never call it the best of anything. So, wow. yeah. And then I ended King up K, playing... Don't say um, anything. I, I ended up... I think I rated Luigi's Mansion 3 my game of the year last year. I would probably, sure did, yeah. I'd probably mm. change that to to um, Astral Chain now, because at the time I hadn't finished Astral Chain. It kind of slumps at the end, where like the 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 person you think is going to be a villain is like, I'm going to save humanity by making a bunch of fuck monsters, and then the other guy who ends up being the villain is just like, fuck you, fuck monsters won't solve the problem. Oh yeah, what's your solution? I'm going to make an even bigger fuck monster. <laughs> that's that's the ending. And it, it kind of goes downhill, but it, at least it had an interesting world. Uh, the, the combat grew on me over time. especially The climax of that game, though, was really fucking cool, though. Like, the, the context behind it was kind of dumb, but, like, the things that you do... And like like the last it's few probably bosses you fight the one so of the hardest cool. final bosses I fought in a while, in a way that didn't feel too hard to the point it was annoying like ansem and dream drop <clears throat> distance uh it it was like jeez you have to fight for your life and you really have to learn the boss but it's it's the kind of thing where you're mad enough that you want to beat it but not mad enough that you want to shut the game off and yeah. yeah and when i finally did beat that thing i was on top of the world so astral yeah. chain was really good like I, I i i think it's the last year that i didn't beat it but i beat it this year yeah and I really, I really, really fucking liked that game. Yeah. So that was, that so. was kind of like at the very end of the year, though, when that, when I finally actually played that. So like when we <laughs> recorded the podcast, I was still only a few levels into it. Uh, but this year there was way more on my radar. Um, and even games that I wasn't specifically looking forward to coming up, up to its release, I ended up playing and really enjoying. Um... Including a game that was announced like a month before it was released, which was interesting, and I'm sure we'll spend time talking about that because three out of the four of us played that game. Uh, so we'll, we'll we'll get to that. Um, so how do how do we want to do this? Do we want to do the the pass the bong pass style? The bong. Yeah. yeah. Uh, who wants the bong first? I feel like let's go from bottom up. Let's not reveal the top of the top just yet. So if okay. you have like a 
a lower tier type good game or just something you want to talk about. Talk. So Ryan, I'm gonna. What did you just say? Talk. Who just said that? Who just said that? Just give the bong to Ryan. No, no, no. Who made fun of me? <laughs> I don't want the bong. Well, you literally haven't Listen. said a word, so. All right, King K, so you get the bong. Here you go. Here's the and lighter. Paul likes to eat oh, clam chowder. Shut, Michael. King K. I remember the inscription. Me. Michael? Shh. <laughs> 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 um, so we're saving, like, our games of the year for the end, I assume. Um, yeah. Unless yeah, they top, come up naturally. Which will, um, if, if, I, if I had to hazard a guess, because I know what yours is, King K, and I know what mine is. That'll mm -hmm. be the most contentious end <laughs> to the podcast that we could possibly imagine, and I'm I'm looking forward to that disaster unfolding. So uh, I think Ryan is also going to side with King K on on that one too. What? Yeah, he's you'll talking, see Ryan. He's talking about Oops. against Exos. I'm pretty sure. No, oh, not yeah. for mine. No, because you're definitely not for mine. Yeah, um, which is why that one will also be contentious. You see. Well, the, the fun thing is, is that like you know, with the Game Awards this year, I saw the lineup. I'm like, oh my fucking god, this year blowed. Ooh. Okay. These are games. Of the, I mean, I don't know anything about Doom Eternal or Hades. Uh, Animal Crossing right, is quite we'll, good. We'll get there. I'm trying to think of something that's not one of my favorites, but can't like. I see the problem is it's kind of muddled because I played a ton of games that didn't release this year. I'm trying to remember which ones did release this year. Um, yeah, um, and feel free to talk about games that you played this year that you know for the first time this year that didn't necessarily come out. I'm cool with that. Uh, uh, well, you know this one isn't like super high or anything, but I, I did enjoy it, so um, I was surprised by it. So I'll throw out Paper Mario Origami King. Hey! All right, we're starting off. With probably my second favorite game of the year. Okay. <laughs> awesome. So um, let's let's talk I, about. I, it. I was I was surprised by it. Mm -hmm. uh, like, cause I didn't play Color Splash. Um, I I think after playing Sticker Star, I was just kind of like, uh, I don't, <laughs> don't really care anymore. And I, I was fine with that. Spe speaking of um, things we talked about in our first podcast. I think that was one of them. <laughs> yes, yeah. when Color Splash was announced. Yeah, man, Origami King. It's just really like, it was a really wholesome time. Uh, I like, I, I kind of just expected it to be kind of mediocre, and it turned out to be really enjoyable. Uh, it had a lot of emotionally poignant moments, which I did not expect. I thought the new battle system they introduced was, I mean, not like exceptional, but like it was pretty enjoyable puzzle combat. Like I, I, I there were a few battles I got in where the ring system was kind of fun to experiment with. And I really loved how the boss battles were handled. Um, I, I could feel them struggling against limitations that either they place on themselves or were placed by on high I don't know but you can kind of feel them struggling to break out of those limitations sometimes unsuccessfully but I feel like they did the best they could and it was the first Paper Mario game that I've enjoyed in quite a few years so I, I just thought like I don't know there's probably more I could say about it, but I'll let somebody else chime in so I don't hog the discussion. What did you think of I the... I think... Go ahead. Uh, I was going to say, I think um, I have <clears throat> I have a bit of a 
interesting perspective because um, prior to this game, uh, which is going to uh, shock some people because I actually played through this game and I quite enjoyed it. Um, the only two Paper Mario games I've ever played, and I I, I say play, I, I haven't beaten these games, was Sticker Star and The Thousand Year Door. I thought both of those games were incredibly boring and neither of them could hold my interest. I don't think Thousand Year Door is like a bad game, but Sticker Star I thought was like pretty shitty. It felt like a game that didn't know what it wanted to be. And Thousand Year Door, I, just, Ryan, I don't know. For I some said reason, the Thousand the game Year just, Door. It get, I remember when huh? I said that was boring, and then I got flamed. I mean, like I, again, like I don't think it's like a shitty poo poo game or anything. Yeah, yeah. Like it, it's it's fine. It just it doesn't hold my interest for one I, reason I or another. I kind of agree with you. But you know, so it's like I hear about this game and I saw the trailer for it. And I'm like, oh, that looks it looks like as if they're trying some cool things. But you know, given how the last two were kind of received, given the way how they kind of look to, I'm not really that interested. But then Twip was telling me how it's really really good and then more people who i trust started saying it's really 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 good then king k made a video about it saying yeah this game's like really good i'm like okay okay i'll look into it and i bought it and i played it and it was i, I don't want to say it's the best or i don't want maybe not the best but like one of my it's probably like one of my favorite mario games period if i could say that um like it just it felt like a game that was it, that tried a bit harder than some of the others that have been coming out um, it was definitely more interesting. You know, it doesn't follow um, a trope, I guess. Like, it's not structured like with the grassy plain and then the desert and then the beach and stuff. Like, some of the tropes are there, but they do some interesting things. Like with the desert, it's like some like night city paradise kind of thing, and uh, the ocean is like some Wind Waker inspired thing. It's a really cool game. You know, I didn't care for the bosses that much. I thought uh, they were just a bit too much. But like, you know, the writing and the world and the way how the things are paced out and the characters, like it was it was very well done. I, I liked it. And I want more Mario games to be like this. What what did the people who played I this agree. think of the ring battle system? Because I I've not played this game because I saw that and just was immediately turned off. It, it just didn't <sighs> look appealing. Like I mean I I don't I didn't hate it. Um, I could see why people would be turned off by it, and I um, I understand why people would say that like it kind of bogs down the game a little bit. It helps though that like I mean the coins for one help. You know you actually are rewarded for battling with the coins because you can use that to buy like to buy items and to like have the toads cheer you on and to move the stuff around for you. But um, and again like maybe it's just because like um. I like games like Zelda and Goldenson where you're like always solving puzzles. I kind of like how they integrated like puzzle design into the battles. Um, I think maybe they get a little too excessive towards the end, but like for the most part, I think it was fine. Like it wasn't like too, too much. Uh, yeah. <clears throat> yeah, I, I, I was a little more open to it from the beginning because uh, I think well, I'll be making more comparisons later, but the weakest part of color splash was the battle system which is depending on how much importance you place on that could potentially make or break that game for you for a lot of people it does understandably i i thought it was fine it was enough to carry the game uh but in this game i was like okay if we can't have badges and we can't have experience points then we can at least have like puzzles so i was looking forward to trying this out because you know, at the time I just wrapped up a semester of basically a board game design class. 
Um, and, you know, and like thinking about like, okay, what's the possibility space? How can I move things? Uh, what are the affordances? How do people develop heuristics? Things like that. So I saw the ring system like, okay, that looks interesting. Like you can slide and spin the rings around. Um, so then I actually played it. And then it turns out that that's all you can really do is spin the thing and in, in, uh, line move things up and down. And sometimes those puzzles could be fun, but it was kind of like you only have those two mechanics. And you only have like two patterns that you can attack people with. Uh, you can do the four spaces in front of you, or you can do in a straight line with the jumping. And then that's it. Which I thought was a bit weird because, you know, it, it would have been a far more interesting strategic game if you had other patterns that you could attack in. So you could make the choice, okay, I only have like three, I don't know, POW blocks. And what POW blocks do is they go in the ring around you. So uh, since I have three of those and I have an enemy that's weak to that, I can push everything into a ring around me and then use it. That you can't do that in the game. And I feel like that was a missed opportunity. And like Ryan said, Despite the fact that you only have those those two mechanics to interface with the the board and those two mechanics to actually attack people with Some of the later puzzles got really 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 hard Which is you know, it's difficulty curve and all of that But it was also a kind of thing where I was just like I'd sit there and pump a bunch of money to try to extend the clock and, and get everything to turn and I just yeah. couldn't figure it out so I'm just like, fuck it, I'll move the guy here and just bite the extra turn, I don't care. And that's that's kind of what happened by the end was it got just hard enough that I didn't feel like solving them anymore. Which is, you know, is not necessarily mm -hmm. a problem even, it's just how I felt about it. Uh, and, you know, it, it kind of made the end, the end game a little bit slower-ish. Uh, no. it, 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 once again, I would say that the battle system, while I would call it better than Color Splashes and especially Sticker Stars, uh, I would still say that it's the weakest part of the game. What, one thing I will yeah, disagree I, with... I, yeah, I'd probably actually even agree with that. But I think for, like, I think it just didn't get, like... I think it was a little too easy for a while. I think I have the opposite problem, where, like, it was a bit too simple for a while. I liked, I really liked when they switched stuff up with like the booze where they disappear. And I was like, I was kind of craving more stuff like that. So when they introduced like yeah. folded, folded paper men and stuff, I was like, whoa, now they're actually doing cool stuff with it. But it only lasted I was just thinking for like, about that too. I'm like, man, they're cool. They're doing cool stuff now, but it doesn't last very long. And so I just ended up thinking of the boss fights more than the actual battles. And uh, that's a, a place where I will disagree with Ryan. I thought the bosses were the highlight of the game. I mean, yeah, I liked I their the characters and stuff. I mean, I, I like what they did. Fucking and I thought scissors, some of them were dude. cool. The, the way Scissors is characterized was maybe one of my favorite parts of the game. <laughs> the, the part where he's just like, I'm gonna put this plastic cover on over my blades. It reminds me of, of the part where Frieza fights a nail and he like puts, he's like, I'm yeah. only going to defeat you with my thumb. Because otherwise <laughs> it wouldn't be enough of a challenge for me. <laughs> That fight has great music too, and it's really stressful when you're first doing it because he can one he can basically one shot you, 
I don't know. I, I thought the bosses were fucking awesome. It, it was the one thing, like, I feel like if the regular battles were structured that way, the game would be better. Because you're, yeah. you're no. using fundamentally the same mechanics, which is sliding and moving, and you've got to, like, okay, plot your route through this maze, and you've got to pay attention to your health, and you can only use your menu when you get to a specific space, and if you want to use the 1,000-fold arms, you got to switch them on first. Sometimes And there's a time limit. Yeah, I mean, like, the, that's honestly a thing where, like, one thing I learned in my board game class is that when you put a time limit on people, I mean, it obviously adds tension, but it adds enough tension to where people feel overly pressured to make a decision, and they can end up making bad decisions and feeling bad I, about I it. felt like the time limit was a bit of a crutch to make the game overall pretty easy, because... I imagine if you didn't have a time limit, it would just be like a puzzle game. They yeah. they wouldn't have to be so. Well, it's a puzzle game anyway. More, yeah, they wouldn't have to be so afraid of making more complex puzzles if there wasn't also a fucking timer. Most of my favorite puzzle games don't have a fucking timer because that would be awful. Yeah, I think that's also part of the reason why I didn't really enjoy the boss battles because I think a lot of them had really cool ideas. But you know, but I don't know. It, it, it's like I I think I only died to like two bosses. It was the. Uh, the, the scissors and the polar bear boss. I don't know. Like, I just feel like as if I was stuck on these bosses for like 30, 35 minutes each. It just kind of like got old after a while. Yeah. I can it's see like, that. Like, the honestly. thing is, too, is like, like y y you know what to do, but oh, you, you overlooked this one space and now your entire run is dead. Here, you're going to take like 40 damage. It's just like, I don't know. I felt like as if the bosses were just a little too punishing if you messed up. Uh, I can say from personal experience that balancing games is a pain in the ass. You can spend... Mm. I probably spent like multiple all-nighters balancing EV tables for a four-player board game, and every single time I tested it, people are like, the balance feels like shit! And I'm like, well, fuck. I've spent all this time trying to do it, and it still doesn't work. <laughs> Um, so I guess I have a little bit more tolerance for that. I never died to a boss more than once. I, I never had to spend that much time on a, on a boss like that, but certainly it's an experience that you did have, so I would respect that. Thanks. Um, I actually honestly had more fun, I think. Like, because I think the puzzle stuff's, you know, it, it ranges from alright to pretty great in the boss fights, but I kind of just enjoyed the almost adventure-like structure the game has. It, it feels like if, if a Mario game was a Zelda game, and I really I, like I that. don't know that I, I guess, kind of. In some ways, like, you get to some of the dungeons and it structurally it does kind of feel that way. I mean, they're pretty yeah. linear, all things considered, but um, I, I just really liked what they did with the structure of it, where sometimes you're, uh, I, you're always going to a new cool place, there's a fucking amusement park I, that is structured like a point almost like a point and click adventure where you have to get items and trade them with people um i really like that and then the next one you're going to is like it's not right after that but like there's one where you go like to you're on a boat and it's like you're playing the wind waker and it's like a yeah. microcosm of it so it doesn't last nearly as long but you can still like explore around the sea and find islands and it's just really I think they really went all out to make sure that your progression was never ordinary, I guess. And I kind of appreciated that. 
uh, lots of really creative because it's like Ryan said, when you really dig deep into it, you can see where they you could argue that it has like the typical Mario tropes in terms of level design. Like there is a desert level in the game, uh, but they find ways to put unique spins on them. Like the grass, there is a grass plains world that you go to first, but like the dungeon is like a tourist trap observatory on top yeah. of a hill. And it's like, Where a colored okay. pencil is pushing graffiti all over the place. Yeah, yeah. And it's like, that's a way to basically take a familiar trope and do something different with it um, in a way that sort of makes it more memorable than it would have been otherwise. Because I want to say the first dungeon in Sticker Star is just a lame version of the Cooper Brothers Fortress, and then you fight a giant Goomba. <laughs> it was pretty lame. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. Um, the sailing was surprisingly fun, and exploring and trying to find uh, the different islands. Uh, there was a Japanese-themed, like, autumn-inspired area that was really great. Um, yeah. Complete with a Japanese temple. Uh, and of course Shogun World or whatever it was called Shogun Studios yeah. um, and then at the end you go into like a multi-stage skyscraper theater and watch plays that was like, so cool that entire thing leading up to the boss was just because it was just like a play I was like a parody of all these famous like I, there was like a western one and I think one was like a a parody of like West Side Story or something Yeah, I, I think um, with Birdo, which was just very, it was, it was all really entertaining. The writing in this game is just really, really well this... done. I don't know who writes these games, but... <laughs> I, th I think it's just Nate Bildorf. Uh, at the very it's least, really he's good. been... Yeah, I mean, like, these games have been consistently funny. I, I might dare say that Origami King is the funniest. Uh, it was, like, there were so many times where I laughed out loud... <laughs> and which is not an accomplishment with me because I laugh at everything but you know like <laughs> if, if you look through the gallery on my switch like I screenshotted some of my favorite jokes and there were there were probably like 50 screenshots of just jokes from this game that I just enjoyed so much uh, yeah it's, it's you know what, it's what kind of struck me about it was that it wasn't just funny like it, it was really funny but like they, they did, like, the bare minimum to, like, kind of create a cohesive world out of all these disconnected locations. Like, I remember you go to Shangri-La for the first time, and you find out, like, why Captain Toad was frozen underground. Captain T-O'd. Yeah, T-O'd. Hmm. You find out why he was frozen underground, um, and, like, how it relates to, like, the, the fucking, uh, I don't know what you call him ruler of desert place uh, like I, and it had like the submarine which i assume was from shangri-la i don't know i don't remember the details but like the fact that they even include throwaway shit like that for me is just kind of like man they really it, it feels like they cared yeah it was a really solid game <sighs> yeah you, you're gonna hate me king k <laughs> but i think i still like color splash more I haven't played Color Splash, so I don't know why I would hate you. Uh, I, I mean, I, I played Color I mean, Splash. Like, I literally have no opinion of Color Splash, so I don't <laughs> care. Color Splash is like the most okay game. Like it's very, it's very decent. 
but it's the type of thing that I'm not busting out my Wii U to play right now. It's like it, it held up for me on a second playthrough. Um, really? It, it has a lot of the things that make Origami King great in terms of like where the, the places that you explore and yeah, for sure. It, it also has the benefit of having a unique setting that's not just the Mushroom Kingdom again. Uh, mm. Like Port Prisma is might be one of my favorite locations in Mario Dumb. Yeah. Um, there are so and many. And also the music. The music in Color Splash is very, very good. Uh, the soundtrack in Origami King was also really good. I don't yeah. think. Better than Color Splash? I don't think it's quite as good as Color Splash's soundtrack, though, unfortunately. Okay. It's almost there. There's There are a couple really good songs. Like, there's this criminally underused minor boss battle theme that sounds straight out of Doom 2016, and it's just fantastic. Mm -hmm. Uh, it, but it only plays for two bosses in the game and in like chapter five so you're almost done with the game at that point uh, yeah but it's I, I I loved Huey I loved Port Prisma I loved the blue the dark blue inn I loved Cobalt Base with like all the to captive toads being forced to tr train by shy guy trainers I there's so many memorable moments in Color Splash that I can visualize in my head and be like, I want to re-explore Vortex Island again. I want to find the light bulb in the secret world. I want to, you know, get the grill in Fortune Island. I want to, you know, go through the uh, really misty forest where they there are just Koopa Troopas doing like circus acts and like little one act play sort of stage things it, there's so many things about that game that I remember and that have stuck with me um, whereas with Origami King is getting really close I feel like I it might be nostalgia or something I don't know because like I feel like in my my reviewer and designer brain it's like Origami King is probably the better game that I could would be more comfortable recommending to people but it was also the kind of thing where like the entire time I was playing it I was just like you know what that part in Color Splash was really good <laughs> uh, so I don't know I think Origami King has made me actually want to play Color Splash given that most people who played Color Splash and Origami King like them both most people yeah. It's probably um, going to be one of those things so, where you're going to play it and you're like, this is the thing that EXO likes so much. I'm probably overhyping it. It was a star. He was still well, so you're, good. You're, like, you're the only one who's praised it this much. So I probably I probably won't like set that as my baseline. I Most yeah. people I've heard just say they like it. So that's probably my baseline expectation. Um, I, I, I Definitely, though, I would absolutely recommend Paper Mario The Origami King. Uh, if what you've heard in this discussion sounds interesting to you, I think you will enjoy it. Um, I think Kinkei's review sort of put it succinctly, where it's like, if we can't have the old Paper Mario formula back, then this is at least something interesting and unique and well done for what it is. Uh, so if you go in knowing that it's going to be like that, then I think you will enjoy it. Um, yeah. And again, I hate Mario, and I like this game. If you want the old Paper Mario, just go play Bug Fables. 
Whoa! <laughs> Is that a transition? I want to give the bong to Haydox because he didn't get to talk. Yeah, I mean, I didn't play. Though, uh, when I talk and you haven't played a game I've I've played, you better be just fighting me. Just say it's terrible. That's what I want you to do. <laughs> like, just pick apart every... I'm begging you. I'm begging you to be openly combative with me. So I can, mm. uh, get fired up. <laughs> um... I'm all fired up, happy. What do I want to talk yeah, 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 I'm ready to go! Oh my um, fucking god, Hadox, pick a fucking game already, fuck! I'm trying to think, I'm trying to think! THINK HARDER! Oh, fuck. Um... Oh. <laughs> um... Okay, Cyberpunk 2077. Cyberpunk um, 2077, more like, suck my ass! I agree asshole. with you, fuck this game. It's <laughs> shitty and bad. I remember <laughs> part of the reason why we had to de delay this podcast into 2021, folks, is because Haydox wanted to play Cyberpunk. No, you fucking, you lion sack of... Mm, Michael, it was because <laughs> of you. Michael has been making these investments in horse racing. I don't know why he's doing it, but he's funneling all of the unversed cast money into gambling. Mm -hmm. And it's a real problem, and and like I'm I'm out here dry. This is my only job, and Michael is not paid his due. So I actually got evicted the other day, and uh, mm -hmm. you know I, I don't need to do, need yeah, to be blamed um, for this. Haydox hey, hey is, is joining this podcast from a public library. Uh, he's using their, their <laughs> yeah, internet. and there's a guy over there watching porn. <laughs> and then the the librarian. I've is, actually uh, seen that. <laughs> Have you seen that? Like you go into your ah, oh, that's what Ben did. Yeah, you you, you already told <laughs> us the story. I remember I was I was going on know, about how much I, I loved Camp Buddy, and then you interrupted my yeah. my heart heartfelt <laughs> explication to tell us a story about how a kid in your school was jerking off in the computer lab during it's true an assembly. It's true. It's true. That's what happened. But to be you fair, know, that's roughly equivalent to the experience of playing Camp Buddy in my room, so whatever. Wow, well, alright, so too hey much Docs, information, tell us about Michael, come Cyberpunk 27-7. Yeah, I- So here's the thing, Ryan, I saw you played it for a few hours. Yeah, right? I, I played it for about three hours so far, and I like it, so far. Okay. Alright, for me, Cyberpunk 27-7 is trademark alert, a monkey game. Now, <laughs> what do I mean by the world's first monkey game? <laughs> Let me explain. Um, so, for me, what did you just do? Did you just hello me? <laughs> In the man? <laughs> Who is that? Is that Yuki? Is that is that the kitty cat? That's actually doing a voice. There's Michael doing that. That's Michael. He's doing it. Michael, why, why are you mailing my little <laughs> Discord kitten? My little Discord kitten, come here, make Papa meow. Oh, meow because, Papa. because I call Yuki meow. my monkey, that's why. And you said monkey game. Oh, true. Jeez. I thought you were doing a Discord kitten bit. <laughs> okay, monkey game. You you see a bunch of like. Cyberpunk 277 is like very shallow. The combat and like. The hits and everything just don't feel satisfying at all. When you get shot or run over by anything, it's like nothing matters. So the only appeal... And, and the story, by the way, the intro with, like, the setup with Jackie, fuck, I, I... That shit did not hook me. And I'm not gonna spoil anything, 
but I just couldn't get invested in Jackie's character. It's like, what? it does it through a montage. And like, they're, they're, it's like that's the worst way to develop somebody's character. And then you have little dialogue here and there, but it's, it's not enough. Really for me, the only thing that propelled it was like later when you get to know Penem <coughs> and you know, Johnny Silverhand gets a bit more developed. But like the whole cyberpunk plot of a mega corporation being oppressive, it's like, yeah, we get it. <laughs> Corporations bad. Capitalism is bad. Hey, <laughs> I took PolySide 101 as well. <laughs> CD Project Red. Hey, hello in Poland, you oligarch fucks. I'm sorry. <laughs> oh, I got. I got. Whoop. I should have said. Hey, Nox is allowed to say that because he has Polish ancestry. Yeah, and <laughs> yeah. If you're from Poland, you know how much that shit sucks. I, I'm, my bob, she hates former Poland. Former foothold of the Soviet Tobasa. Union. I mean, the Warsaw Pact Man, was I made gotta, in I Poland. I gotta stop <laughs> ranting. I gotta stop ranting about Polish politics. I'm not doing a good job. Anyways, I like in, CD Project in this Red, game how you can make your PP big. Yeah, I but mean, not big Lord, enough. Lord, not big enough. Not big enough. <laughs> Clearly not big enough. Lord knows Ryan um, can't listen. do that in real life. <laughs> Listen, uh, CD oh, Project Red. Well, it's uh, mine's more than enough, actually. Thank you. Anyways, mine's uh, is huge. I, in fact, uh, yeah, uh, gargantuan. Um, anyways, CD Project Red. Um, if if I can just ask a favor, if you could just like make this little patch for me real quick. Um, instead of having like to pick between different sizes of my PP, uh, can you give me a PP slider? I need a penis slider. I agree. And, uh, ideally, ideally, the shit out of the workers like, for a bigger penis. Can I, yeah, I, I like, no, I, I, ideally, PP ideally, like in the slider. PP slider sounds like the offshoot cousin of KK slider. But ideally, um, <laughs> like when cock. when I, I make my PP super big on the slider, I want it to go. And if I make it small, yeah, I want to go. A little Ew. sound that goes. <laughs> You know? I've heard, that, I've heard that if you make it too big that you can't do certain romance options or something. I mean, well, I don't think there's okay. like many romance that, options. This is the most stupid- oh, I'm not gonna get into this. M Michael and I talked about this and we decided it's not a good podcast. <laughs> but like, I, heard uh, there's, <laughs> I heard that the romance in this game wasn't really that great. Like, it's not like no, a lot of- No, it's bad. It's- it's not great. My- my character is a bit interesting. I gave them giant tits and a big penis, and uh, man, it's it's like the the game treats it weird because it's like you can't romance all the characters I want to romance, and I don't know, like I want to romance Judy, I want to like I want to have a polyamorous relationship with every single character. In my cyberpunk future, everybody's fucking each other, and you can put that on the box. Hashtag not my cyberpunk. I, I want to say that that yeah, was well, literally it, something that was included in Ready Player Two. Oh, really? What? <laughs> At, in orgy? No, basically just the idea that everybody's pansexual because they can yeah, experiment on the internet. Yeah, fuck it. Whatever. Man, it's cyberpunk. Just let everybody be fucking each other. I don't care. <laughs> like, I love Judy. I love Pen M. <clears throat> let me also fuck the hologram. You know, Johnny. I don't know. Maybe I haven't I'm even gotten to Johnny this yet. Game. Oh, but I well. love Jackie. He's just like, ah, oh, he just reminds me of like people who I know, and he just makes me happy. And I, lo I love I, seeing him. I love, I love hearing him talk. It's so like, cliche, oh, Jackie. though. Like, it's if, like a, if 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 he was a gay romance option, I'd romance the shit out of them. Like I love you, oh, Jackie. Oh yeah, I'd fuck You're Jackie great. too. But the problem I, I totally is, you know, Jackie. he's not developed. <laughs> he doesn't. It, he dies, doesn't he? 
You can just, Man, you can my lips it. are sealed. <laughs> you can tell me. All right. Back to monkey dies. game. The, the plot for me is uninteresting. I don't care about I capitalism. Capitalism is bad. We we know this, right? But the game doesn't do really anything interesting with the cyberpunk element, to me anyway. You know, I can't... My thoughts aren't developed enough to really give, uh, like, an alternate solution, but it's, it's just very shallow. But, like, the core appeal of the game is just getting different colored weapons and having damage output and just becoming a god. And, like, it satisfies my chimp brain, right? Because I'm running around with, like, a katana one-shotting enemies and just having like 4,000 armor stats. Ironically, because like the armor in, in design we call broken that, in this game. In design we call that the lizard brain. Yeah, monkey brain, lizard brain, whatever. <laughs> like, it, it has that appeal and, and like number go high, me like. But then at the end of the day, like the combat encounters are extraordinarily weak. Like, the worst part about it is stealth is is like it doesn't operate how you want it to operate. You know, you shoot an enemy, and then if, like, then, like, if an enemy sees you and you kill that person right away, it's like everybody is alerted. And sometimes the AI would also alert enemies, and it's, it would just be frustrating. And, like, if I wanted to play a sci-fi RPG, I would rather play The Outer Worlds. Have, have any of you played that Obsidian yes. RPG? Yeah, I played a little bit of that. I, I love like that. It. I love that. The romance is done perfectly. The side quests, like Pavarti. Yeah, I, th I thought that uh, was a really, really good game. I like that. Yeah. I don't yeah, like it as much as fucking... New Vegas, but like, I, true, I true. wasn't expecting Very it true. necessarily to be New Vegas. I mean, I, I was mm -hmm. obviously, but I wasn't expecting it to like be better. But All right, it, it did a, so much good. It did everything it set out to do. It was so, I love that game. It was really good. So here's the other thing. In Outer Worlds, there are so many meaningful choices, right? I mean, just yeah. the first planet is like, are you funneling electricity to the outlaws or to the city? And in a sense, both have uh, valid perspectives. And at first you think like the city is bad because the guy at the top is an asshole. But then you realize yeah. like all of the citizens are innocent and like the, the outlaw group I mean, they have their problems too. And so there's an interesting thing of like, where do you divert the electricity? And and like that has consequences. You come back and the world is changed and you could also murder everybody and the <laughs> world would be changed. In cyberpunk, nothing ever changes. It is always the same static world. There's no like living, breathing world that they advertised. It's not like in Red Dead 2 where you can walk up and see a one-legged veteran and go greet him and then the next time you come he remembers you. And then in the epilogue, he's like, oh you remember that fellow who was kind to me? You remind me of him. It's like, there are so many better worlds out there, there are so many better RPG systems out there, there are so many better combat systems, and like speech, speechcraft. It's practically non-existent because everything ends in combat. And if you are going to tout that you have an open world RPG, then why can't I just have like pacifism? You know, not in terms of shooting and it's non-lethal or whatever, that's bullshit. Make me like talk out of a situation uh, or something and there's none of that. And it's so frustrating because The Witcher 3 has such amazing side quests that are like, you know, 
there's there's the witcher contracts and they're done very well with all the choices that you have to make like the werewolf one i won't spoil it but like it, it is a very interesting choice based you know quest and then in this it's like there's practically none of that there's like a guy who has a cock implant that malfunctions and it's funny but it's like the guy doesn't talk to you after at least i've played 70 hours and i've only gotten one call from him what happened to the cock guy and it's like just everything ends in death and i'm so tired of that like structure of side quest where everyone dies at the end it's just fucking lame Hmm. And that's because like, I heard oh. that the side content was actually really good in this game, which is kind of why I bought it. I heard that the story yeah. itself, like the main story, was okay, but like mm -hmm. I heard that the side game is like really good. But that's yeah. that's a little <laughs> shocking to hear that you didn't like it as much as other I mean, people that I've heard. The the character stuff with like Penem and Rogue and um, Claire, you know, there are great characters here, and I won't deny that there's a lot of side jobs that I did enjoy. But the ones where they're like the same sort of Far Cry type outpost clearing or like, you know, retrieving a body, which is done by a non-lethal takedown, then carrying them out and all of that. And it just gets like repetitive and there's very limited options and like, you know, eh, I don't know. There, there are like cool secrets in the world. And there's like there's neat stuff here and there, but is it enough? Is it is it too shallow? I think it is. It's a very complicated mess, in my opinion. That's not even like mentioning the. I'm going on a huge ramp, but the fucking day one of this game was horrendous. I played 20 hours and got over 10, 15 crashes. And then the restart takes five to ten minutes. And, uh... That really soured my perception of the game at first. I don't think it's like that now, but... You know. And that's not even talking about, like... The fact that CD Projekt Red is a very scummy corporation. And it's like... They are basically Arasaka in terms of their unethical work policy and sort of like corporate structure and everything. So I don't know. For me, I uh, I don't know. I don't know either. Did that make sense? That rant makes sense. Yeah. I just haven't played it. I don't know. I never, I never really had interest in it beforehand, and even when all the controversy mm -hmm. came up, I'm like, well, I wasn't interested in it to begin with, so I don't... Whatever. Mm. If you play a game for a long time, I don't think that makes it good. Would you agree? Uh, TGX yeah. often describes that as you having to unlock the mental achievement of game gets good now. <laughs> and that that's funny actually um and yeah and it's it's like one of those things where okay because there's another game you played this year Hadox, that kind of had that problem where it took you like 11 hours for it to get good oh yeah um, which you can oh no you can choose two, to talk two about to that three one. two to three okay um and then there's yeah. there are some yeah there are games like that where it's just um and so personally i think 
it doesn't because like at some level you have to ease people into the mechanics and it can't be too tense right away and if games aren't tense enough they tend to be boring for people who want more tension so there's there's some level of that in every game otherwise it just starts out hard and pisses people off and then they don't want to keep playing but if you have to play for like like how many hours was it uh in cyberpunk yeah in terms of what in terms of like, like how many i've clocked right in now in terms or? of how long you had to play before it got good if at all well i i don't think it ever got good okay <laughs> like then yeah i it, it it satisfied the lizard brain the monkey brain for sure but like I was half paying attention, I was like watching the Yogg's cast jingle jam <laughs> as it was happening. Like yeah. as I was playing the entire time, I was just watching a stream. Or like I, I feel like I came into your stream at one point, King K, and I was like, Cyberpunk fucking sucks. All yeah, right. No, I'm, I don't know what I was streaming, but I remember you coming in. Xenoblade. You were oh, streaming yeah. X, which is a game that and came I out this year. I was sat there. No. Did it? No, I was streaming X, not Definitive. Oh, okay, yeah. I thought you meant Definitive. The bad one. <laughs> what? <laughs> I think my game team producer's favorite yeah. game is Xenoblade X. They're wrong. I'm on, They're so wrong. I'm on a game team for game design college with some programmers, and my, my producer is just basically a BSCS GD who has a fancy title. He's just a programmer, basically. His favorite game is Xenoblade X. Well, you know, I like I mean, I mean like, Xenoblade X currently is not impressing me all that much, but also, I have mega respect for what it's trying to do, and as a massive fan of Xenoblade 1 and 2, I kind of just respect it inherently, because I like that studio a lot. <laughs> so... Mm. Did you get him back that, yet? That game came out in 2015, so I don't know why we're even talking about it. Did you get a mech, King K? No, in that I game don't yet? have one yet. All right, um, I'll be interested to know what you think when you get a mech. Yeah, I'll let you know. <laughs> Ryan, is there anything more you wanted to say about Cyberpunk? No. Oh. Oh, Ryan is pissing right now. He's literally no? pissing. Hello. He's lit. No, there he is. <laughs> Did it not pick mm. up? I was here. You guys were talking about Xenoblade X. Uh, yeah. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. No, I don't have anything to say about Cyberpunk. I mean, like, I, I've only I played it. I, I bought it like this year. I installed it this year in 2021, and I played like three hours of it, and I liked it so far. But okay. That, that, that's as much as I got right now. <laughs> There's the counter argument for anybody that would be mad at me. Uh, so yeah, I, I like the first three it, hours. It, it is a game that I was not horribly interested in from the get-go because it's just I don't like these kinds of sandbox city games where you wander around and do missions I find them boring <laughs> like they're oh you don't you don't say I mean oh. it's I mean this game what it sounds like is Grand Theft Auto with a cyberpunk skin with mm, more customization Grand Theft Auto has Grand Theft Auto actually has like good NPCs and a lot of weight and a better world and better characters. I mean, Grand Theft Auto's five story is very good and four and Vice City, San Andreas. I don't know. 
Yeah, those games. Uh, I'm a I'm a cynical, sad man. Those so games probably take my opinion with a grain of salt. Benefited from a smaller scope, because scope will kill your game. <laughs> I've learned that the hard way, uh, where you will say like, I'm gonna put all these neat features into my game, and then it's just like, well, fuck, I only have a month left to finish the game. I've got to cut things. So now this thing that I spent months prototyping, I gotta throw it out. And you know, it, it, usually it's just better to n cut things from the get-go. Mm. It sounds like what this game has is, oh, we're gonna have combat, and we're gonna have uh, romancing options, and we're gonna have, you know, like this... PP sliders! Yeah, we're gonna have PP sliders, and you know... Yeah! We're, we're, gonna, have, <laughs> we're gonna have all of these, these features, and it's gonna be the greatest cyberpunk game ever made, and then... Then it's just like, oh shit, we're gonna have to whip our workers for months on end in order to get this game to come out, and then we have to delay it multiple times. And then we, when we, when it comes out, it's completely unplayable on base Xbox and PS4 consoles. You know, and it's just, it just seems like a, a tragic tale of what happens. Cause like, I, I assume that like the Grand Theft Auto, like the older ones, benefited from being on smaller hardware where you didn't have to spend as much time with like lighting and rigging and uh, you know multiple layers of maps to create vi various visual effects it benefited from that to some extent but it also seems like the scope was smaller they focused on like let's make the driving fun let's make the shooting fun let's make the story interesting and then that will be enough to carry the game and then we'll try to polish all of those individual elements to make them fun Whereas I have not played Cyberpunk, but I get the vibe that they kind of spread themselves too thin. So the things that should be fun are just, just are only really satisfying on the most like on the level that when you see mission complete flash on the screen, you feel some level of satisfaction, yeah. and then that's kind of it. Yeah. Uh, Anyways, catch me at, Ryan, uh, at the twenty. Catch me at the twenty twenty one podcast that we're gonna do <laughs> next year. <laughs> and, uh, I'll, I'll, t I'll talk a bit more about Cyberpunk twenty seventy seven. Please check out our YouTube channel for video versions of all our podcasts. The music used in this podcast is as follows. Almost New, Awesome Call, Bittersweet, Bosa Antigua, Chucky the Construction Worker, Continue Life, Disquiet, Eternity, Faster Does It, Funky Chunk, Hard Boiled, Hepcats, In Your Arms, Leopard Print Elevator, Lobby Time, Loping Sting, Matt's Blues, Meatball Parade, Novelle Noel, Onion Capers, Porch Swing Days Slower, Procession of the King, Rocket Power, Samba Isobel, Shaving Mirror, Spyglass, In the Curtain Rises. All of these tracks were composed by Kevin McLeod of Incompetech.com and are licensed under Creative Commons by Attribution 4.0. You can find this license at http colon forward slash forward slash creativecommons.org forward slash licenses forward slash by forward slash 4.0 forward slash. This podcast was edited by yours truly, Exoparadigm Gamer. Thank you very much for listening to our podcast and we'll see you all next time.